Has being a mama changed you? I know it surely shifted my DNA. It isn't just the body changes, the baby brain, that overwhelming sense of responsibility, or even the hormone cocktail. It's so much more than all that. The big question starts to linger inside all of us, especially as our kids gain some of their own independence, and then they start going to school. That inner question, not even the busyness can cloud it out. What's my purpose now? Who am I that's not my kids? Who you used to be may be a vanishing memory. Who you now want to be can often be a foggy mist that you can't quite clarify. Surely who I am now is more than a preparer of snacks and a mom taxi. If you're ready to get in the game of your own life again, then I am ready for you. I've taken my neuroscience degree, mixed it with a dose of professional sport, marinated it in NLP certifications and lots of business and personal coaching to design The Awakened Mama, a six-week program to help mamas get back into the game. Imagine moving your really good idea into a living, breathing reality. Reconnect with your purpose. I know it can be hard to do it all on your own. Work with me and together we'll get momentum into your ideas to awaken your dormant dreams. Go to In The Game Coaching to find out more. That's I-N-T-H-E-G-A-M-E-C-O-A-C-H-I-N-G.com to find out more. And P.S. If you know a mama who could really use this lift, why not awaken the good Samaritan within you and pass on this nugget of goodwill? She will surely love you for it. Welcome to the newly cleansed and refreshed in the game podcast where we invite you to transform your dreams into reality every week we aim to touch move and inspire you to new possibilities for your life my name is sarah maxwell and is it really time for me to now intro my own show heck no bring in the aussie talent to get it done With their groundbreaking first season as The Nat and Sarah Show, the foundation has been laid for a life of manifesting your dreams. Join us as we delve into the nuts and bolts of what it really takes to bring those dream boards into reality. It's time to dust off your dreams and get back in the game of life. Are you a member of the community? Head to Facebook and search In The Game Podcast to download your three-step journal to begin the workshop-style teachings and gain exclusive access to your hosts and featured guests. Get ready to take action on your possibility. Today, we continue the conversation with the creator of Mama Rising, which serves to teach and train the groundbreaking work. (laughs) Now I'm going to pause because I was calling it matricence. Correct me already. Come on, Amy. Matrescence. Matrescence. It sounds so elegant when you say it. (laughs) What the heck does that word even mean? I was instantly drawn to the word, I have to admit. Hence why I'm stuck on my pronunciation, because the word matriarch really shone through the word. But beyond that, I needed to discover from from former Australian ABC journalist Amy Taylor Cabaz to really sink my teeth into its impact. Amy had three kids and a lifelong dream of working for the ABC. But she drove herself to that breaking point, trying to prove that she could do it all. Burnout, she began seeking what had changed within her since she had become a mother. 
In 2018, her quest landed her in the office of Dr. Aureli Athen at Columbia University in New York. The answer she'd be gnawing at all those years. I'm just going to say it wrong. I'm just, I'm just going to commit to saying my, my, my Canadian weird way, matrescence. matrescence. Putting her anthropologist hat on, she wrote Mama Rising and began the movement of mothers beginning to rise to their own occasion. With a background in journalism, an honors degree in international studies and development, an accredited life coach, postnatal yoga teacher, and meditation facilitator, her rounded approach has attracted mothers across the globe to not only learn more, but get accredited and begin spreading this message of hope to the billions of mamas on Mother Earth. So Amy, thank goodness you're here to be the graceful one. Welcome. Oh my gosh, can you just send me that intro? I need to use that for my work. That was an amazing way to introduce what I've done. Thank you. You are welcome. I am I am an uplifter, it is true. And I have this joke that I think we should start every dinner, you know, uplifting each other that way because that is what you're committed to and that's what you've achieved and what's happened already. So, look, I'm pretty excited to dive into this. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's do it. Okay. So, before we dive into, you know, our that core topic today, mattresses that I'm going to just stuff the whole time now. Um, give us a picture of Amy as a little girl growing up and what your dreams were like for your life. I was a very intense little girl. I was born in about 45 minutes. My, I was the first child. I absolutely tore my mother to shreds, poor darling. Mm. Uh, it was a very traumatic birth for her. And story goes, legend or not who knows the story goes I burst out of my mum they put me on on my tummy for a minute and I used my hands to push myself up look around the room and my dad said it's like my face said all right everyone come on we've got work to do that was how I arrived into the world and I have had that energy ever since I was serious uh like the world was on my shoulders, my mum used to say to me when she'd tuck me into bed, Amy, let God take over tonight. You don't need to fix the world today. You can sleep now. Um, and that uh, has been with me my whole life, leading to going into the ABC, leading into wanting to be a journalist and tell stories about women around the world. And in fact, when I look at it now, it's that heaviness and that seriousness and almost that sense of responsibility of looking around the world and saying, come on, people, we've got work to do. That has actually been my greatest gift, but also my greatest challenge because I end up burning myself out and taking on too much. So it is that it is a challenge for me to balance that seriousness with fun. I'm not so good at having fun. I try and surround myself with people who remind me to have fun. That's that's how I do it because I'm not good at remembering it myself. <laughs> and it's really funny with when us intense women try to plot fun, like we try to, you know, make it a spreadsheet. That's not really, it's I not don't true. think how fun people do it. So check with oh my gosh my daughter is five and she's just learning how to write and lat and I I saw a piece of myself transference because she was making a um a checklist for what our Sunday was going to be like oh what a darling what star sign is she oh gosh um oh you know what I don't even know 
So she's October 10. What's that? Oh, she's um, Libran. Lib- oh, look at you. Scales. Okay. Balance. There you yeah, go. you know, she's got the imagination. She's that she's my teacher of, you know, when she dances, I just see the freedom and the let go. And my mom often says, I'm going to ask you about your mom in a sec, because my mom says that Jordan is the happier version of me. <laughs> so what was your relationship like with your mom growing up? She's right, I think, though. My relationship with my mum, I challenged my mum from that very first moment of birth. Uh, My mum was brought up in a very strict Catholic family. She went to the convent and was taught by nuns. She joined the Navy when she was 16, straight out of high school, and met my dad and was just a very good girl followed the rules, did what she was told to do, really just um, very innocent in that sense of um, of herself. And then along came this child who said no to everything. Get in the bath. No. Get out of the bath. No. And my mum just had no idea what to do with me or how to handle me. I was such the opposite to the good girl that my mum had been. Um, and we clashed a lot especially in my teenage years we really um we just really challenged each other and then but I had a very I was very unhappy in my teenage years I had a really hard time so um that was nothing to do with her I just really struggled and then in my 20s we started to get closer but as a lot of people say in motherhood her and I my mum and I became incredibly close she now says that uh I am the one that has changed her the most for the good. She's learnt the most through me. She says that um, she actually says that I'm the love of her life in the sense of, yes, that this partnership that her and I have had has helped us both grow the most. Um, And now, in a way, she's my biggest cheerleader for that fighting spirit that I still have. But I I know, especially now as a mum, with a very feisty, challenging child myself, I can I have so much more compassion for how hard it must have been for my mum, remembering that I was actually even worse than my daughter in that sense of that fighting spirit and that independence, even though you're too young to be independent. It's that really big challenge. So we've had a spectacular healing, Mum and I, and, yeah, we're very close now. Gosh, couldn't we all take a page out of the love of my life? Oh, I know. Beautiful. Pretty spectacular thing to be told. Yeah. You know, as, as you know, motherhood just challenges you in ways that nothing else seems to do. I have a sporting background and lots of crazy things happened over the years. And you think, no, nothing. I don't think anything demands of you that immediacy, like demanding you to like know what to do quickly and often and repeatedly. Yeah. So it's a very demanding experience. Um, I love hearing that how you came into the world. That is just awesome. So I get this drive so that you had this drive for the ABC, you know, this goal. Um, So talk to me a little bit about when you have this goal, you're like, I'm going to achieve it. You know that I get the feistiness of you battling and then it's all too much. You know, 
your I can do it all approach just falls short. What happened for you there? Tell me about the breaking point and um, how did you deal with it? I had a number of small breaking points beforehand that I ignored. And I think that's important to point out because for the women who listen, I think we get warning signs that it's not working. But because in our culture, we're not allowed to pause and reflect on the goals that we've set and whether they've changed. I decided when I was a teenager, an early teenager, that I wanted to be a foreign correspondent for the ABC. And I did not ever think I could change my mind on that. Mm. And because we are really, we ask teenagers to decide, what are you going to do with the rest of your life? What are you going to study? We have this culture that really says forward no matter what. Taking mm. a sidestep is not acceptable. Taking a backward step is, you know, shameful. We don't allow these moments of reflection. And so even though... After each of my children, my body told me that it wasn't working to go back to ABC. So for everyone listening, I um, I joined the ABC and quickly went into um, ABC radio and for nearly 15 years worked in breakfast radio. So um, regional South Australia first, then Adelaide, and then moved to Sydney to be senior producer of uh, breakfast radio here in Sydney. And that meant that I was up at 3.30 in the morning most days. Uh, five days a week at the end, but earlier it was about 4.30, 5 o'clock. So by the time that I was pregnant with my third child, I was up at 3.30 in the morning, five days a week at school, at, at school, at work by quarter past four, booking in interviews with the Prime Minister, running around like a headless chook, thinking that I had made it. This was one of the most successful jobs you could get in the ABC. I had contacts that people would envy. I got invited to opening, you know, opera events on the harbour. It was, it's like in um, one of my favourite movies, uh, The Devil Wears Prada. They say a million girls will kill for that job. It was like that. A million girls. I mean, this was also what I wanted to do my whole life. But my body had broken after my first baby. I got a thyroid disease. I was really angry all the time because I was so freaking tired. I was obsessed with trying to get my girls, my two girls, asleep in time so I could go to sleep because if they weren't asleep by 7.30 on the dot, then I couldn't go to sleep at 7.45 to wake up at 3.30. And every mother listening knows children don't follow that timetable. Or, or when you try, the harder you try, the less they follow that timetable. That's it. So every night was a fight. I was pretty much doing it on my own. My husband was working in advertising, so he'd work till midnight. I'd get up at 3.30. It was oh a disaster. And then uh, pregnant with my third, which was a total unexpected uh, pregnancy, I um, was 24 weeks pregnant and um, started to feel some sort of sensations in my belly and thought, oh, that's a bit strange, and went to the hospital and they said, um, we're a little bit worried. There's a few signs that things aren't going so well. We think you should take two weeks off and just let your body rest for a little bit. And I hated that idea. I thought it was too important for me to keep busy. I just was so attached to this life that I had created. But I reluctantly rested for 10 days and then went back to work in three days. I just love that he said two weeks and you gave it 10 days. I gave him 10 days. Let's all just point that one out. Yeah. That's it. And then I went back to work for three days and by the third day I was in labour at 28 weeks. 
And uh, I have very small babies. I'm not a big person. I'm like quite short and little. So my babies are very small and 28 weeks for my babies is not is not safe enough to be born. Um, so I was in hospital for five days trying to get the contractions under control and having steroid injections to get his lungs strong enough to breathe and breathe in case he was born. And eventually the contractions did stop um, and all of the neonatal specialists were pretty brutal with me, actually, Sarah, were just standing in the room saying, there is no medical reason why this should be happening. It's your lifestyle. You cannot go back to work. And it still makes me emotional talking about it. And uh, I'm ashamed to say that my reaction was, but you don't understand, it's the middle of a federal election and they can't do it without me. I, I was just so unaware of uh, the machine that I had found myself caught in. I couldn't, I I just, there were so many balls in the air. I didn't know how to let any of them drop. Mm. And it was terrifying to let them drop. But uh, I had no choice. I was couch bound for 10 weeks. If I got up and walked up the road to pick up my eldest daughter from school, the contractions would start. I literally couldn't move for 10 weeks. And During those 10 weeks, um, I asked myself some pretty tough questions. Why am I here? Why can't motherhood be enough? Why can't I slow down? Why do I feel the need to prove to everyone I'm still the person I used to be? Do I really want to be a foreign correspondent with three kids? Does this work for me? Am I happy? All the answers to that were no. I wasn't happy. I was so unhappy. I was so angry. I was so tired, but I didn't know how to stop. So I downloaded my first chakra meditation and started to teach myself meditation, mindfulness, signed up for an enormous amount of courses because, you know, I'm too intense to stop. Um, <laughs> Whatever you can do from the couch. Yeah. As long as I didn't move, I could swim. <laughs> But by the time he was born, uh, so I had to have daily uh, progesterone to keep him inside and they stopped that um, at 36 weeks and two days later he was born. And so by the time he was born, I was a completely different person. I had gone through a huge, what I would call spiritual awakening, an understanding of what I was attached to and why and what I was afraid of and why and who I really wanted to be. And what I now know is that is the gift of matrescence. That is the gift that we get in this period of our life. If we're given time to reflect, unfortunately, the universe made knew that I'd never stop to reflect. Um, so it forced my ass onto that couch for 10 minutes to learn it. But I do think that if we give mothers and women some space to ask themselves those questions that I needed to ask them and myself. This is how we evolve. This is how we rise. This is how we say, I'm not doing it that way anymore. But if we don't give them the space or the right questions, they'll keep going until they run into a wall like I did. Yeah. And I think, thank you for sharing that so vividly. I thought that was really like vivid um, experience with alongside you there. Because I remember thinking during the nine months that I was pregnant, oh, I didn't realize how preparatory this was. And just to hear how intense that was for you, you know, 
26 weeks in or, you know, because I just really felt like, oh my gosh, these nine months are really preparatory in a way that I didn't realize. And I just went through so many shifts as well through that period. And so um, to hear that all that work stuff, I think the demands of what we put on ourselves at that same time mean that, we, like you say, we don't hear the voices, we don't hear the guidance, we don't feel it. Like, you know, the outside noise is just so loud. And we also don't realise because we're not told, because we don't prepare women for motherhood in the, in the best way, we don't realise that who we were is going. We're never going to be that woman that we were before we were pregnant ever again. And all I've literally coached thousands of mums through my programs now. And the number one thing I think if I could help everyone understand is that matrescence is like adolescence. When a child enters her teenage years or his teenage years, they're moving towards adulthood, but there's this period in the middle where they're not a child anymore, but they're also not an adult yet. This is a period of figuring out how it's, they're changing, who they're going to be, what they like, what they don't like. They rebel against everything. They question things. Their brain changes. Their body changes. All of those things happen to us as well. So in pregnancy, how amazing it would it be if we spoke to women about who you were? You're, you're never going to be that woman again. Yeah. So take this period to reflect on that. What are you going to leave behind? How do you feel about that? Is there some grieving? Or And what are you looking forward to? How do you feel about becoming a mother? Because I see now all those years of me trying to be superwoman at work and everything was because I didn't want to admit I'd changed. Yeah. I didn't want to admit that I couldn't do this job that I'd dreamed about for the last 20 years. I didn't want to admit that I felt differently about my work, my relationship, my friends, the planet. We so ask women to hurry up and go back to who they used to be after they've had a child, like return to work as if nothing's happened, get back into your genes, do all the things that you used to do. It's a lie. You will never be that person again. And the more you struggle with that transition, the harder it will be. Yeah, because I think one thing that even happens is your care factor <laughs> changes amidst, you know, there's cellular changes to what's happening. But even um, the thing that mattered so much, even if you're fighting against it, because sometimes I remember that feeling of, oh, it should matter, but it doesn't. You know, that the shoulds and all, like you talk about the guilt and, um yeah, how it's supposed to be, how it's supposed to look. And I'm even thinking when you were chatting, talking there was how much we focus on these mother groups after we have the baby. Imagine what, like what you're creating these spaces for preparing for the change, talking about the change. Um, and it's just not there because I think actually it hasn't been acknowledged. Probably. No, and, you know, this is where I do get a little bit ranty feminist patriarchy. So for everyone, Bring it. yeah, I, I apologise in advance, but uh, this is my favourite topic. The thing is we don't value motherhood. We don't value being a woman, first of all, let alone motherhood. In fact, we've swum so far from saying to women, being a mother is not the be-all and end-all, which was an important step. In the 70s, we had the rebellion against women must have children and stay at home and be a wife and a mother. 
It was the second wave of feminism. It was very, very important. But in that rise of feminism, we forgot motherhood. Mm. We actually devalued being a mother, which means you get to our generation where we were literally the ones that were told from the womb, you can do anything, you can smash any glass ceiling, you can be the president, the prime minister, what are you going to do with your one great life? And then we get to motherhood and we look around, there's no value there. We, we haven't got anything. We, we don't know how to do this. We don't know how to value it. We feel invisible. And yet inside of us, it feels like it's a really, really, really important job. So there's this huge contrast of I know my value comes from being the senior producer at the ABC because I see that in my daily life. If I go to a barbecue, if I go to the school gates, everyone's like, wow, is that what you do? Like that's where my identity yes my ego, ego. Found, <laughs> ego my sense of self. It was how much did I earn? What did I do? Where did I live? These are the things that we're told are important. And yet inside of us, suddenly our priorities have changed and we think, I don't give a shit about any of that stuff. I want to make sure that my baby's okay. It's so true. Or And when even people acknowledge you about the ego stuff, I like because having been an athlete, I often be, I will say like, no, no, I wasn't because I feel that that was another life ago. And we're still in that place because of my partner in that spot. But it's really interesting because I feel so removed from what I used to do and in this whole new identity, I suppose. I've had women over the years who say, I, I don't want to do what I did anymore. But, Amy, do you know what my hex debt was, which is the debt we have to go pay for uni here in Australia? Do you know how many years I climbed that ladder? Do you know what it took for me to get to this level? I don't know. I, I, I can't just change my mind, can I? And I'm like, e welcome yeah. to Matrescence, girlfriend. That's exactly what it's meant to do. Yeah. And you know what? It doesn't mean that every single woman's going to get to motherhood and go, ah. Oh, I'm done, changed my mind. It's not about that. It's about, like I said, making sure you're not just walking back into your life after the biggest transition you'll ever go through since adolescence. Don't just think that you'll get to the baby being one year old and, okay, the same. back to normal life, let's just make this work. No, it affects everything and we have to acknowledge that and therefore ask, how do I feel about this? Do I still want to do that? How would it work if I did want to do it? Ask the questions that we're not asking because it's invisible. Beautiful. Wow. Yeah, it's it's super powerful, this question, because it's not, um, a lot of women are doing it in private. A lot of women are having, you know, quiet desperation. An amazing entrepreneurial mom said to me, um, I was, I had been asked to do work that I had done prior and I hadn't done it for years uh, we lived overseas for two years in Switzerland and when I came back an old client said oh will you do this for my business and I thought okay and I was really struggling with pricing it and she said to me you know you've done your best work so far in your life as a mom you know, when you, if you really think about it, and if I'm in a coaching space, she's like, you've done your best coaching work. You've risen to the occasion, the best you ever have. And how much have you been paid for it as a mom? Zero. She's like, and you're wondering why you're struggling to 
to now quantify this little project that you're doing with the, you know, and I thought, boom, like, yeah. So even that conversation around value and money had changed, like the way that I used to be able to price my service versus now. And, um, but like you said, I think I was really comparing it a lot because that one had been quite like, oh yeah, I used to do this. It was quite easy to compare. And that just leads to, you know, no joy, no joy when you do that. I love that insight so much because the way I teach matrescence is it's this wheel of understanding. So there's all these different areas of your life and it's impossible for all of them not to be affected by this. It's like, I say it's like you then wear matrescence glasses. Every single thing you look at is now through this lens of change and we don't understand that. We think we get now that motherhood will change our body. We get that it might change our brain, and but we hope it returns to what it used to be secretly. We don't ever want that baby brain again. Although, sorry, ladies, it doesn't go back. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, but yay, it doesn't go back because what happens is that our brain goes from me to we when we become pregnant and give birth. And the world freaking needs brains that think about the we instead of the me. So this is a super-powered brain now. So all of these different areas change and it will change how you feel about your money and your value and time for dollars and all of these things. But because we don't talk about it, and this is my DMs are filled with this every day, Sarah, I thought it was just me. I thought there was something wrong with me. I didn't realise that this is why I'm struggling to price my products or I'm struggling to ask for help. I didn't realise it was all of this. And that's, yeah, that it can be so easily solved if we just started valuing motherhood and talking about it differently. Gosh, I just love the superhero brain. It's, it's a complete shift mm-hmm. in how we prioritize what matters. And, you know, with leadership, we're talking a lot more about collaboration and all these beautiful, like working in teams. And it's these qualities that are very nurturing qualities and there's things that we're, we're literally growing ourselves we're practicing it every day and in theory society wants it and I think that that we can through this conversation begin to step step through with more confidence you know people that want to be back in the workforce and imagine walking into the interview with that kind of cloak that's that my, it's part of my greater vision um, I'm actually starting to work on it now is how I, I can bring these conversations, not just me, but all the beautiful memorizing facilitators that are coming, how we can have this conversation in corporate, in workplaces. So when she returns to the workplace, instead of thinking, oh, she's probably going to only want part-time work and she's going to have to leave early to do school mm-hmm. pickup and drop off and, you know, all of these biases that we have towards working mothers, instead of that, we look at her as this phenomenal new leader. She now has better compassion. She actually cares deeply about the impact the company is having more than she did before because she's now thinking about the legacy for her children. Mm-hmm. She actually has amazing nurturing skills now. Parts of her brain have been switched on that weren't there before. What if a company actually looked at her and knew that, understood what matrescence was, understood how she's changed, and actually used that for the betterment of the workplace and the company? So, oh. So I I had this friend, he had, he had an ad agency and he said, I only hire newer moms 
because he said, these women know how to time manage. He said, because they know when they have school pickup and he's like, you have never seen a force of women that get stuff done. And I was like, Woo! it's, it's this gay guy. I was like, love that about you. Um, it, but that has stuck with me. This was before kids. And I was working with his staff and I remember they're different. Uh, these women, like they are focused, like they know what matters. And I'm going to segue into a question here because totally I've never, I haven't asked one of the questions I was supposed to, but <laughs> Sorry about I, I know you're good like that. So it's kind of a personal one. And I'm, I always believe that if I feel this, other people must too. So my experience was um, I had a lot of space to explore who I was, the new person. I had a lot of kind of like leeway, if you will, to do that. So I was in Switzerland um, on this one year vacation which is a dream. And about three months into the dream, I was feeling, and by the way, this is my partner, me and my daughter. So the three of us living this European dream, right? And I'm thinking, oh, like, I don't know. I was born like you, I think, with my head up going, like, I got to make a difference. And all of a sudden I'm feeling like, I can't just walk around your vacationing. Like, this is not enough for me. So I don't even know the language. This is my question because I feel the language is dangerous because I sometimes say things like my purpose is more than being a mom. I don't want to say it like that even because I'm not, I don't want to dismiss that because, and if you know me as a mom, you wouldn't say that's my MO, right? So how do you, what do you call that desire to, to make an impact with this new brain, still loving my daughter, I'm still being intensely involved, but I just couldn't, you know, be on the seesaw just. I needed like more than that. I call that being a whole woman. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> There's so much. I mean, this is pretty much what I share in my programs is, mm. is exactly the question that you're asking. How do I be both? How do I be okay if I don't want to be both? Like, what does this look like? The thing is, this can be both an acknowledgement of who you really are, that your purpose is more than being a mum. Mm -hmm. Motherhood is a part of it, but there is also something greater that you want to contribute to the world. Yeah. And that is beautiful and important to acknowledge and hold, even when you're in the very early stages of motherhood. Acknowledging that on the other side, we are programmed to continue to value more than the seesaw. So my invitation for you and all of us is, again, space again, the right questions again, perhaps the right place to find the questions. Are you struggling to slow down and be on the seesaw because there's something in you that needs to be expressed right now? Or are you struggling to slow down and be on the seesaw because in your brain that's not productive? Yeah, there's a lot of that one. Yeah, yeah and I... Yeah, that's a lot of inner therapy, well, well picked up because that's what I get from mothering is presence. Well, not presence, the, the, the challenge of presence. For presence or the, <laughs> is it a quest? I don't know. But the, you know, the reminders of when I'm not present. How about that? That's it. And I mean, and that's exactly how I got to 28 weeks pregnant and in labor was because I love being a mom. 
they literally are the loves of my life. But there is something in me that still says, but what have you done today, Amy? And what are, and what are you what are you creating? And da, 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 da. like literally last week, I started thinking about how to set up a not-for-profit to help set up a motherhood center in Kenya. And my family's going through a bit of a transition right now. Really, I don't this is really not the best time for you to be. Probably not the best time to start a global charity. But <laughs> I know we laugh. But this is actually our challenge. Can we? And I and this is like oh the biggest message. Can we be okay with this right now? Trusting that there will be more that you do. There is more to come. You will make that legacy. You will follow your purpose. But right now, right or wrong, as mothers, it is mostly on us to make sure these little people are okay. Yeah. So are we going to make ourselves sick and burnt out and angry trying to do that? Or are we going to accept and surrender that right now I've got to be 80% here, 20% there. And then as they get older, 40% there, 60%. You know, this is, it's constantly changing, but I'll finish on this. Many years ago, I was working with this phenomenal author and coach in America. It's still the most popular podcast I've ever done. It's called Your Dharma Will Wait For You. If you go on my website, it's highlighted because it's still the one I get the most comments on. And she, in our work together, shared that quote with me about she, do we have time for me to tell a quick story? Of course, go. She was a New York Times bestselling author at the height of her career. This was when Oprah had her TV show Uh, Donovan had his own TV show and she was in talks with the network to have her own TV show. This was how on top of her game she was. Fell in love, got pregnant, gave birth to her first daughter. She's in the hospital room after giving birth, holding her child for the first time and her manager or agent rings and says, right, I need you in Singapore next week to finalise this deal for your TV show. And she said, I'm sorry, you'll have to ring me back in 18 years. Oh. And she stopped. She stepped away from it all. Wow. She tells this story in this podcast. Amy, do you think that there were times when I turned on the Oprah show or the Donovan show and my students, like Deepak Chopra, she taught Deepak Chopra, were there having the career that I was meant to have? Mm. And I was there with diapers and toddlers and the freaking Play-Doh, do you think that that felt good? Like she really struggled with this, but she said when, but she knew she needed to be there with her kids in that time. She did a lot of charity work. She did a lot of other things. Eventually her children grew up and left home and she stepped back into her career, back to New York Times bestseller, stepping back on stages around the world. And so she said to me when I was really struggling with the question you were just asking me as well, she said, Amy, your dharma will wait for you. You can you can slow down and be with your kids. Oh. It will come. I know, still makes me cry too. It, it was one of the best gifts I've been given in my life. And do I believe it all the time? No. Just like she didn't, she would watch the TV and think that should have been me. But it does. It'll come. And I think if we can just be okay with that as women, slow down. It's all right. Be here. It'll come. 
I think that's the gift of revaluing and redefining motherhood. Amy, I don't want to say anything after that. Thank you so much. That alone is um, what a beautiful message. Thank you so much for the work that you're doing and for being a mom and real the whole way along so that we can all relate to it and have courage and rise to our own occasion. Thank you so much. Thank you. I love the conversation. Thank you. Awesome. We so appreciate you listening to the show. Don't forget to join the community on Facebook by searching In The Game Podcast. There you can download your three-step journal and participate in our weekly live video chats. Hold on, hold on, hold on. You've got to rate and review the show. And I know all the podcasts are always asking this. And in the past, I wasn't doing it. And the reason I wasn't doing it is because I actually didn't know how to do it. So open your podcast player and click on our show from your library, not the listen now. That's where I was going wrong in the past. So now that you know how to do it, when you go there, make sure you give us a five-star review. Five stars, five stars, five stars. And then click on write a review link to actually write a review so that you can tell other people that we're legit and even funny, maybe a bit serious. So if you want to recommend this to someone, you have to put your fingers on the keys and send us a review. 